When God comes through in times of lack, problems, and pains, we can expect an abundant provision, a supply that astonishes us, a supply that satisfies and secures us. This is the sixth message in the series, How Prayer Changes Things. The message is entitled, Take Care of Me. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're going to talk about prayer. We're talking about the importance of prayer for our lives. I want to talk to us this weekend about the prayer, a very simple prayer, but a very important prayer. It's the prayer called, Take Care of Me. Quite often in life, when we think about prayer, we, we are, we're a little concerned that if we pray too much about ourselves, that it's going to appear to be selfish. But I want to remind you that praying for yourself is not a bad thing. Praying for yourself is actually a good thing. Because as you go, so goes the things around you. So go the people around you. And so if you're missing things in your own life, if you have needs in your own life that are not being addressed spiritually, then it's going to affect everything that you do. And so it's absolutely appropriate that we spend time as the people of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, that we spend time praying for ourselves. We certainly should not only pray for ourselves, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with spending time in prayer for you. You and I need prayer in our lives. One of the reasons that we need prayer is because we have need of provision. There are things that we need from God that only God can supply to us. And today, we're going to look at a story of a lady who learned something about this. She prayed a prayer that brought her in connection with resources from heaven for her own life and for her own family. The story is found in 2 Kings chapter 4. It's the story of the prophet Elisha and a particular lady. Let me read for you the first seven verses of 2 Kings chapter 4. I would encourage you to go back home this weekend and perhaps read this story again. So many uh, very important points that I will not be able to cover today, but some that we will look at for the next few moments together. Here's the story. One day, the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Please notice that phrase. This is going to be a very important phrase in a few moments. Elisha says, what do you have in your house? She says, I have nothing except a flask of olive oil. She replied, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty vessels as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive from your flask. Remember that small little flask. It was all that she had. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, those are the jars she borrowed, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, here's the answer to her prayer, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. What an amazing story of a lady who is in dire straits experiencing a miracle from Almighty God. Today I want to talk to you.
talking about five lessons that we learned from the story about praying for the needs that you have in your life, praying for your own concerns. The first lesson that we learned from the story is that lack indeed is a part of life. In many ways, the story of this lady actually can be our story. Maybe it's in some measure your story today because this woman had a major problem in her life. She faced some terrible pain in her life. She had a serious lack in her life and in her family. What do we know about this lady? The Bible says that she was the wife of one of the prophets, one of the sons of the prophets. She, in fact, had a relationship with a man who was a prophet, married to a man who served under Elisha. So she was a good and she was a godly woman. Let me remind you today that even when you're good and godly, you're still going to experience problems in your life. Even though, even though you may be living a good life, there'll be times when you'll experience difficulties. This lady was a very good lady, but nevertheless, she still had a problem. She was grieving as well, not, not only over the fact that her husband had died, but she'd been left with all of this debt. And so there's this foreboding future, dark clouds hanging over her. And the only solution to her problem seemed to be that she would have to sell her sons into slavery to pay the debts off. This is a major set of negative circumstances and problems in her life. She's facing very serious lack. And in all of our lives at certain times, maybe even today, you we all encounter lack. There are times when you need something that you don't seem to have. You want something that would be beneficial for your life and you believe would be, inconsistent, uh, would be consistent with the will of God for your life, but it's not yet shown up in your life. You've actually perhaps even prayed about it, but the answer has not yet come. There are times in life when all of us experience lack. Lack is a part of life, and pain and lack can seem to be very difficult and ugly kinds of things to deal with, but actually your lack, your need can be a blessing. Why? Because out of the lack of certain things, good can come to your life if you handle your lack, if you handle your difficulties the right way. See, sometimes in life we are able to experience things that we could not experience any other way than through going, by going through certain problems and difficulties. Why? Let me give you some reasons why lack being a part of life can actually be a blessing to your life. First of all, because it will teach you many times some very valuable lessons. If I were to ask you today to raise your hand, how many of you have experienced before in your life some wonderful lessons out of a tough time that you've gone through and you, while the time was tough, you've learned some very valuable things? Many of you would place your hands straight up in the air saying, I've learned some great lessons in my life through the toughest moments of life. And sometimes some of your best, best lessons are going to happen when you're going through great difficulties. The second reason why lack and problems can be positive is that they actually draw us to God. Have you noticed how your prayer intensifies when you're going through difficulties? How you begin to pray much more seriously and you pray much more fervently. C.S. Lewis, the great author, wrote these words, gave us these words. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. 
And sometimes in life, when we're not paying much attention to God, it seems as though His voice is a whisper, but then pain comes along, and then now we're very clearly hearing the shouts of God getting our attention. The third reason that lack can be a positive thing in your life is it gives you a longing for heaven. It can make you realize this life is not all there is. I'm glad that this life is not the end of life, aren't you? When you go through a hard time, it reminds you that one day you'll be in a situation where there will be no sorrow, there will be no problems, there will be no tears, there will be no more pain, that we look forward, we anticipate a day that we will spend in heaven for eternity. There's another reason why difficulties can be beneficial to our lives is they provide opportunities for God to demonstrate His grace and power. Quite often I talk to people and they're saying, you know what, I want to see miracles in my life. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God break through in my life. And what we have to be reminded of is that every miracle on the front side of a miracle is a problem. On the front side of a miracle is a difficulty. On the front side of a miracle is something that is a very hard thing to often get through. And so these moments when we're going through lack, they actually give us an opportunity. I love what Charles Swindoll, the great Bible teacher, said about this. He says, every problem is an opportunity to prove God's power. Do you have a problem in your life today? It is a great opportunity for God to prove how powerful He is indeed is. And then he goes on to say that every day we encounter countless golden opportunities disguised as unsurmountable problems. Every day that problem that comes your way, it's actually a disguise for an opportunity for a miracle in your life. Lack, difficulty, problems, what do they do for us? Let me give you one more benefit of lack and difficulty. It helps us to become more effective in ministry to others. There's something about going through a problem that tenderizes your life if you handle it the right way. I've noticed in life when people go through hard things, they come out on the other side one of two ways. When they go through a hard time, some people come out hard and bitter and angry and mad at God and mad at the world with big chips on their shoulders because of what they've gone through. And I've also noticed that some people come through the problems of life and they, on the other side, they have a sweetness and a tenderness in their life. And the question is, how do you process it? Do you come through your problems bitter or do you come through your problems better? And that's the difference that will make that you can see in your life by reason of what you choose to do. And if you come through your problem as a better person, then you have the ability for God to use you in ways that he could never have used you before because you've learned some lessons that you didn't have before in your life and becomes a part of your story of God at work in you that encourages those around you. Yes, lack is a part of life, but our lacks, our difficulties, our challenges, our problems can be very beneficial to us. Here's our second lesson from this story today. When facing lack, here's our response. We respond with what? Prayer. This is what we're learning. We respond when you're going through a time of lack or difficulty, problems or pain, respond with prayer. Don't react with fear. Every time a problem comes your way, you're going to do something with it. A problem always affects you. You get a piece of bad news, does it affect you? Of course it does. So anytime you have a problem, there's going to be some kind of reaction or response on your part. 
And God calls us to respond to our problems with prayer instead of reacting with fear. See, the natural tendency is for us to pull back and be afraid and anxiety to begin to to torment us and torture us. But this lady had to learn something. In the midst of her crisis, she understood the value of prayer. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 4, we read it a moment ago in verse number 1, that what she did one day when this, her husband had passed away, she approaches Elisha and she cried out to him. Now, in this situation, she was crying out to Elisha, but in reality, because Elisha was the man of God, she was actually crying out to God in prayer. And this phrase, cried out, it communicates urgency and fervency and desperation in her life. She knows that only God can help her in the situation that she is in. Her problem caused her to pray. Now, here's the deal. If you're going to pray in the face of your problem, there's something you're going to need. I'm going to write this word on the board. You may want to write it down on your notes. You're going to need this when you pray. Say it with me. You're going to need confidence. Because if you pray and you have no confidence that your prayers make any difference, then you're going to come out of your prayer closet the same way you went in. Has that ever happened to you? You take your problem to God in prayer, but you don't have much confidence that he's hearing or he's going to answer. And so you come out with the same fear you went in with. And so if you're going to turn your, prayer, your problem into a prayer that's given to God, trusting him for an answer, there needs to be a confidence that God has the capacity to do something about it. I want to give you three things that you can always be confident in when you pray. The first thing is you need to know that God already knows about your troubles. You're not informing God for the first time as though there's a news flash in heaven that suddenly God found out about your problem. God did not just suddenly find out about your problem. God already knew and already knows what you're going through right now in your life. No one in the whole world may know what you're facing right now, what you're experiencing or feeling right now, but God knows. God knows. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? For a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Notice this. If God knows how many hairs are on your head, He certainly knows every problem you're facing in your life right now. Be confident that God already knows what you're going through. Here's the second thing you can always be confident of. You can be confident that God cares deeply about your troubles. You can tell certain people about your troubles and they can be informed of your troubles and still not care. You ever had people like that in your life? Oh, you told them about what was going on They didn't care. They had no concern at all. They had no concern to help you, no concern to do anything for you in any measure. And so God knowing about your problem is not enough, but God actually cares, and he also cares very deeply about what you're going through in your life right now. I'm really speaking to someone here today. You need to understand that God not only is informed of what you're facing, but he really cares He's caring in his soul, if you will. If we could talk about, if you, indeed, the essence of God. He's caring 
your problem. He's concerned deeply about what you're facing. Jesus again said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly do what? Care for you. Care for you. That's you. Why do you have so little faith? There's a third thing that you can be confident of when you pray, because prayer is the right response to your problems, and you can be confident, thirdly, that God now has invited you to come to Him with your troubles, that there's an open invitation right now presented to you by the God of heaven, and that invitation is just simply, I want you to come. I want you to talk to me and present to me what's going on in your life, very much like this lady did in the story. Look at these verses of Scripture as we underscore this from the pages of God's Word. Psalm 18, verse 3, the psalmist David said, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and He saved me from my enemies. There's a lot, there are a lot of things we could talk about here, but I simply want you to capture four words with me this weekend out of this verse. I called, He, say it with me, I called, He saved. I called, he saved. David said, my responsibility was simply to call. I called. I had an open invitation. I was able to bring my concern to God. I called, and when I called, God did something on my behalf. He saved. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 says, then Jesus said, come to me. Notice that. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We don't find rest unless we come. That's where the rest is. The rest is found in coming to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. So let us come. Notice that again. Come boldly or confidently is the actual Greek word that's used there. To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will. Notice that we will find grace to help us when we need it most. James says it this way in James Chapter 5, verse 13, anyone who is having trouble should pray. The message paraphrase renders it this way. Are you hurting? What should you do? Pray. Prayer is the right response. This lady had to learn not to react in fear, but to respond with prayer. Here's our third point for today. Prayer helps us to see possibilities. When you're going through a problem, generally speaking, for most of us, all we can see is our problem. Have you ever noticed how problems become front and center of your life? And that's about all you can think about, right? That's all you see. You just see the situation you're facing. And this was very much what was going on with this particular lady. She comes to Elisha, and she cries out. There's her prayer. Here's my situation. My husband has died. He left us in all this debt. We can't pay off our debt. It seems as though I'm going to have to sell my sons into slavery to pay the debts off. She was in a dire set of circumstances. She saw nothing in her life as a possibility. She was hopeless for her future, and she cries out to God out of her hopelessness. But I want you to notice what Elisha did. I'm not going to read it for you. You can go back and read it in verse number 2. But Elisha does something very unusual in this story. She's cried out. She told Elisha what she's going through. And Elisha responds, what, what can I do to help you? He asked that question. And then he followed up before she could answer that question with another question. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Let's stop there for a moment. 
She just poured her heart out in prayer. This is my problem. This is really a dire set of circumstances. And Elisha says, well, what can I do to help you? By the way, what do you have in your house? Say that with me. What do you have in your house? Do it again, if you will. What do you have in your house? Now, why would Elisha ask her, what do you have in your house? Because what she had in her house was going to be the seed for the miracle of what God was going to do. Okay. And her response was, I don't have anything. I have nothing. Go back and read it yourself. She says, I have nothing except a small jar of oil. Now think about that just for a moment. I have nothing except a small jar of oil. So she said, I don't think I have anything. Oh, I guess I do have something. I have a little thing here, and it's a small jar of oil. That was all she had left in her house. I don't know how small the jar was, but it seems to be a very relatively small amount of oil that she still had available as a resource to her. Here's what I want you to see. When Elisha asked her the question, what do you have in, her, in your house? He was directing the attention of her mind away from the problem to a seed for a solution. Listen to me today. You may feel like you've got the biggest problem in the world in your life right now, and you don't have a clue what you're going to do. And somebody asks you, how are you going to solve that problem? What's in your house to solve this problem? You say, I don't have anything, but I want to encourage you to remember that when you pray, God begins to open up your eyes so that you can see something that may seem very small, but all God needs is a little bit of something to work with. Amen? Amen? Okay. Do you remember this story? Listen, do you remember the story when Jesus, boy, I'm getting excited about this when I think about it, okay? When Jesus was on the, on the mountainside with all the multitudes of people, 5,000 men plus the women and the children, and he looks at his disciples and said, well, I think we probably should feed all these people. Or we're going to get some food for this. The disciples said, you got to be kidding. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, here. Jesus said, like, we don't have enough money and there's no place to get any food. And Jesus encouraged, go look, go see what you can find. And he goes through the crowd, and they find one little boy, and you all remember what he had? What did he have? Five loaves and two fish. So that's all he had. It was his little lunch. That's all he had, okay? So out of that whole crowd of 5,000 men, plus the women and children, all they could find in the house in that group was five loaves and two fish. Jesus didn't bat an eye. You know what he said? Bring it to me. Bring it to me. And Jesus, the Bible says, he blessed it, and he broke it. That is, he gave thanks for what he had. Boy, I could preach on that one for a while. Amen, okay? Instead of seeing what he didn't have, he gave thanks for what he had. And he was just a little bit, but he blessed it. He lifted it up to the Father, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And you know the rest of the story, right? Everybody ate everything that they wanted. It was, the, it was a massive hillside buffet that day, okay? I mean, everybody goes away just rubbing their tummies like I'm so full. And there were 12 baskets, basketfuls left over after everything was said and done. All God needs in your life is just a little bit of something, okay? And your problems will blind you to seeing 
what you have in your house. And so here's this lady. She's asked the question, what do you have in your house? And out of this prayer, she begins to see that there's a seed of possibility. If I could simply inspire your faith today to believe that there's something in your life right now that is a seed that God can use to do the very miracle that you want to see in your life. There's something in your house right now. There's a God-given seed of possibility that you already possess. And prayer is what opens your eyes to see the seed that is in your, your life. What are you looking at? Are you looking at your problem are you looking for your seed? What are you seeing in your life today? Here we come now to our fourth lesson, very similar to the third one. But prayer helps us to see problem-solving pathways. But I want you to see there, uh, the emphasis here is on the pathways because here's what happened in the story. You know it. I read it a moment ago. The lady's miracle was going to be connected to what she did with what she had. Can I say that again? Did you hear me? The lady's miracle was going to be connected with what she did with what she had. She needed a miracle, but she was going to be a part of the miracle, right? Okay. So we always want God to do stuff so we don't have to do anything. But God always engages us in the process. Practically every miracle that you read about in the Bible is a miracle that required some level of cooperation by the person with God. It wasn't just God doing something. The person did something, and then God did something. In the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the little boy brought the food to Jesus. Then the miracle happened. And the stories of Jesus oftentimes healing people. He would reach out his hand, and they would reach out back to him. And then healing would happen. And so there's oftentimes a responsibility on our part to do something with what is being given to us. And when we do our part, God always does his part. Okay? He takes that little bit of effort, that little bit of effort that we bring to the table that seems like nothing. It seems like this is not going to make any difference. What will a little bit of oil do to save me from all this debt that I'm in? But God says, I can do something with that little bit of oil. And Elisha said, send your sons out to all the neighbors. Tell them to knock on everybody's door and borrow as many vessels, as many pots and pans as they possibly can. That's the story. And so they go out, start knocking on doors. They get as many pots and pans as possible, and they bring them all back. And they all go in the kitchen and close the door. And they're there by themselves with God, okay? They're by themselves. Elisha's not even in the picture anymore. They're there by themselves with God. And, and, and they'd been instructed, the little lady had been instructed to start pouring out of her little uh, uh, jar of oil into the other vessels. And as she began to pour, this vessel filled up. And then the next vessel filled up. And there was a miraculous flow of oil coming into her jar. And before long, she'd filled up every vessel. She's asking for more. And the, the son's saying, we don't have any more. So she goes back to Elisha and says, what I do now? And Elisha says, sell all the oil, pay all your debts, and you'll also have an amazing annuity for the rest of your life, okay? Amazing annuity for the rest of your life. I'll take care of you. And what started out as a massive, significant problem, I mean, having to potentially sell her sons into slavery turns out to her entire life being completely taken care of because she walked the pathway of faith, okay? She just did what God told her to do, okay? You don't have to do, you, you can't make a miracle, amen? 
There are no miracle workers in this room except Jesus, okay? And by the way, he is in this room, okay? There are no miracle workers in this room except Jesus. He is in this room, okay? But there are people in this room. Last time I checked, we're all people, okay? And so God works with people, okay? And he says, I just want you to do your part. I'm not asking you to do anything else. Just find out what you can do and do it. Somebody might come and say, well, pastor, I'm way over debt. I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with my finances. And God speaks to them through a lesson or through a class and says, write down a budget. That doesn't seem like much, does it? What's a budget going to do for me? It's the first step toward a miracle. Oh, I'm getting real close to home right now, right? Okay. Oh, God, send a million dollars in my mailbox tomorrow. Oh, God, let me win the lottery. Give me the numbers, Lord. God says, no, I just want you to write down a budget. So that's your little oil, okay? Not much, but just write down the budget and take a look at what you got coming in and what you got going out, and then... I'll start giving you a little strategy so you can start working on things. And by the way, take that class at church called Financial Peace Universe. You can do that, right? It doesn't require a miracle to take a class, does it? Does it? Let me ask you again. Does it take a miracle to take a class? No. You can do that. That's your little bit of oil. We've had people throughout the years here at church. They come through the doors of our church, and they're dealing maybe with a massive amount of debt. And they, they say, well, what can I do? This is so big. I need a miracle. God says, make a budget. Take a class. You mean that's my pathway to a miracle? Yeah, that's your pathway to a miracle. People come in with massive marriage problems. What am I going to do with my marriage? God speaks and says, take a class. Learn the principles. Read a book. Sometimes your little seed may seem like something very small, but your seed really is the answer to your prayer. Because as you begin to take a step with the seed that's given... Amazing things happen in your life. And that's the final point that I want to bring us to today. We know this, this point very well. We're going to slip past this. I've talked about this just a moment. Here's, here's the final point. Prayer then accesses what? Heaven's resources. With this, I'm going to conclude. The lady could not multiply oil, could she? She couldn't do that. God could. And there's some of you right now that a year from now, six months from now, two years from now, if you'll just start doing what God asks you to do as you pray your way through your problem, begin to see some possibilities for your life, that you'll see, my goodness, God supernaturally poured some oil into my life, and I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm on the pathway, I'm on the journey, experiencing the miracle-working power of God. Let me conclude by saying this. Some of you already know this because you wouldn't be here today had it not been miracles that have already happened in your life. Okay? You are the miracle oil that has already happened, and there's more oil, more oil to come as you faithfully follow God. It's okay to pray about your problems. It's not okay to live in them. Amen. Take them to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word this morning. 
We're grateful for the opportunity we've had to study. We ask you to speak these words deeply into our heart. Let them land on fertile soil. Show us the seed in our life. Help us to see what we need to be doing and help us to take the steps that you've asked us to take in faith and obedience. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.